The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today's show is going to be all about this week's New York Giants mandatory minicamp, which will be held from Tuesday through Thursday this week. Yours truly will be in attendance in New Jersey, along with uh, lots of other media members, including today's guest, Patricia Trena of Giants Country and Locked On Giants. Patty, nice to uh, nice to talk to you again. How you doing? Doing great, Ed. I'm ready for some football. I know, Patty. Isn't this strange? It's it seems like so long since we've actually done something. Which you know, for folks like us that 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 write about the NFL is actually such a normal thing. I know it really has been, but you know what? Slowly but surely, we're getting back to normal, um, whatever normal is. Um, and I'll take whatever opportunities are there. And you know, it's going to be great seeing everybody—not just the players and the coaches, but also all the media. There you go, Patty. There you go. It'll be nice to see people again. And 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 you know, let's let's start with this, Patty. Let's talk about some of the players that that will be, you know, the most interesting guys to watch during the, the next three days. And, and I have to start with, with Daniel Jones, everything, everything that's been written, everything that's been done by the giants all off season is really about maximizing Daniel Jones opportunity once and for all to, to show the giants whether or not he, is their franchise quarterback of the future, whether or not he's the guy that can lead them, you know, to where they want to go or whether or not maybe a year from now there, there's a new person quarterbacking the, the New York Giants. And, and is there anything in particular in this mini camp that you're looking for? From Daniel Jones. I mean, we're not going to get our answer as to whether or not he's going to have a great 2021 season in, in this mini camp. But what are you looking for 
uh, from Daniel Jones this week? Well, I think the first thing, Ed, is comfort level in the offense. I mean, what a lot of people forget last year is that Daniel Jones was going into a whole different offense. And while they learned it in the classroom, football is the type of thing where, you know, the classroom work is part of it. But at some point, you got to get out and you got to practice it. You can't just expect to learn it through osmosis and then go out there and, boom, perform at an all-pro level. It just doesn't happen that way. And I think one of the ongoing issues with Daniel Jones that we saw a lot last year was that there was some hesitation in his throws and making his reads. You know, it's almost as if he wasn't quite sure what he was seeing or maybe he wasn't trusting things or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I'm – I've been looking for this now since he's come into the league. I want to see him make faster decisions, faster reads, make the right reads, and get the ball out of his hands and to his receivers so that they can go and take advantage of these very small windows that are open, you know, to to get past and pick up some yards after the catch, which, you know – I think part of the problem why the Giants didn't have a lot of yards after the catch last year is because by the time the receivers got the ball, the window had closed up. So it, it's for me, it's all about comfort and all about making quicker reads and getting that ball out there and into the hands of his playmakers. Patty, that's a good point. And one of the things that, that I will say about that, and, and we're going to digress a little bit from talking about individual players as as we do this this is one of the reasons why i was a supporter of the idea of bringing jason garrett back as offensive coordinator as much as we didn't necessarily like some of what we saw last year from the giants offense i think a lot of what we saw you know we we saw some poor offensive line play the giants didn't have an off season as you said to probably maybe get into some of the things they might have liked to have done. Um, but I think the best chance for success that Daniel Jones has is with the continuity of, you know, of, of staying with Jason Garrett. Obviously the upgrade in the playmakers is going to be a huge part of it. But I, for one, am really glad that the Giants didn't make Daniel Jones learn a third system in three years. So how do you feel about that? Oh, I'm with you 100%. And, you know, I'll just make this comment about Jason Garrett. How much of what we saw from Jason Garrett last year was influenced by the season-ending injury early to Saquon Barkley? I don't care what anybody says. I'd be willing to bet anything that when Saquon Barkley went down, the Giants had a shelf, a good chunk of the playbook that maybe they had in place for Saquon Barkley to take advantage of his talents. So now all of a sudden, okay, you've got to scramble. And then you throw in the inconsistencies of, of Evan Ingram. And then you lose Sterling Shepard for a few weeks to turf toe. You don't think that didn't affect what the Giants were trying to do and, and, and the continuity and, and building things up. And I just, I always remember, remember how I think it was around week five of the season maybe it might have been week six I remember Jason Garrett being on a call with us and he made the comment about how he was still trying to learn what guys did well and that stood out to me because if you don't have a guy available on the field and now all of a sudden you've got to you know plug different guys in it, it takes a little longer to learn and I think that was part of the problem now with that said 
Does Jason Garrett need to be a little bit more creative and put guys more to their strengths? Absolutely. You know, you mentioned Evan Ingram. I don't feel that they used Evan Ingram to his strengths last year. They, there were too many of those short, wide-stick option routes. And, you know, Evan's the type of kid you got to send up field, you know, put him in, mo- in motion up the field in the scene. And I did a breakdown on Giants country. I don't remember which article it was, but I found that Evan Ingram was better against zone coverage than he was against man-to-man coverage. And I think he saw a little bit more man coverage last year than he did zone. Well, the other thing, Patty, when we talk about Evan Ingram is, and I'll be the first one to admit that I watched Pat Shermer for two years send him on crossing routes across the field, you know, shallow crossing routes. And they drove me crazy because I wanted to see him go vertical. And, and yet last year I found myself dying to see the guy run a crossing route. Instead of these these stick routes and these comeback routes that had him catching the ball standing still, it's like at least give him something that allows him to move and, and, and use the the biggest skill that he's got, which is which is his speed. Yeah, that's and and that's that's to my point. I don't feel they took advantage of it, and you know the coaches they say, "Tell me what he can do." Well. Watch Evan Ingram and, and he can, he can run. You know, I, I think once he got back on the field, remember he had season ending foot surgery the year prior and there was some question about, you know, would he be okay? Would he be at a hundred percent and would his speed be affected? And I don't think it was, you know, I, I had those questions too coming into camp and I don't think his speed was as, you know, was affected. He was good to go. And it just seemed like the Giants backed off on, on, on taking advantage of that. Maybe they thought, or they knew of something that, you know, we didn't know. I don't know the, the answer to that, but definitely, you know, I don't want to see Evan Ingram being asked to block, you know, a guy who's 30 to 40 pounds heavier than him. You know, that, that to me is not a good use of his talent. You know, maybe get a chip on a guy. That's fine, but get him up the field. That's what you drafted him for. Exactly, Patty. Exactly. Hey, let's, let's turn to, um, a couple of other uh, topics on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, the the offensive line for the Giants is so many. Well, there, there's so much focus on that right now. And let me ask you: Is there a particular player or a particular thing on the offensive line that you're really, really interested in focusing on uh, during this during this mini camp? Well, there's no contact in this minicamp, so you can't really fully judge offensive line play. But what you can judge to a degree, and this is assuming that, you know, we get a good look at this. A lot of times the, the Giants move the offensive line and defensive line to the far corner of the field and tucked away behind the field house to where we can't see it. But what I'd like to see is, A, the communication you know, I want to see, you know, how is Rob Sale working with these guys? How is Pat Flaherty working with these guys? I want, and then I want to see how are they communicating with it, with each other? You know, right now this is a getting to know you phase. You know, I mentioned before how, you know, classroom work will only take you so far. At some point you got to get out there and you got to practice football. And, you know, Will Hernandez, a career left guard, is now trying to make the switch over at right guard. He's playing next to Matt Pear, who played right tackle in college, but he's still kind of wet behind the ears. He's 
he's playing next to Nick Gates, who had a solid first year as as a center, but you know he's still a little bit wet behind the ears as well. So I want to see that dynamic eventually all come together and click and see how that's working. Because the thing with football is you don't want to see these guys necessarily, um, you know, thinking. When you stop and you have to think about what you're doing, that's when you're going to get beat. That's when your technique's going to get sloppy and you're going to revert to bad habits. So I want to be able to see, hopefully, and I don't know if we'll be able to tell in this particular camp, but you want to see these guys fire out, boom, hit hit their guy or, well, not hit their guy. There's no contact involved, but get to the spot they're supposed to, get to their landmarks and just get the, you know, get the job done that they're supposed to. Exactly, Patty. Hey, one more topic on, on offense, particularly. We, we know we're not going to see, you know, Saquon Barkley during this mini camp. You know, maybe we'll see him out there on the field, you know, just, just doing some individual stuff, maybe. Um, but we will see the backup guys. And I'm really curious how the, uh, how the competition for backup spots is going to, uh, is going to play out. Any anyone or anything in particular that that you're looking for uh, at at the running back spot? Yeah, I'm curious to see Devonta Booker. You know, this is a guy who, for whatever reason in Denver, you know, he started out strong and then he kind of faded, and then he went to the to the Raiders for a little bit. And I, I always remember, you know, Dave Gettleman. I think it was Dave Gettleman saying to us earlier in the year that this is an every down type of player. And, you know, it's interesting because you and I have talked about this. I know I've said this for I don't know how long. Saquon Barkley is not going to go from zero to 100 in week one. It's just not going to happen. They're going to work him back slowly. And I know ESPN a few weeks ago reported the same thing. I mean, that's common sense. So I want to see what they have in Devonta Booker because this is a guy who at this point, I guess you can say he's a bit of a journeyman. Um, you know, especially after they just made the decision to move on from Wayne Gallman, um, and not re-sign him. So I want to see what he brings to the table. And then I'm also curious to see, believe it or not, how they kind of work out the situation with the fullbacks and the tight ends. And I, I mentioned those two positions together because the Giants, I don't think really used much of an H-back last year. Um, I don't, I, I think they used it, uh, that position on a handful of snaps, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember the numbers, but I remember looking it up. And, um, you know, they brought in an extra fullback this year, Colin Gillespie, to compete with Eli Penny. And I'm just wondering, are, is the plan maybe to carry one less tight end and then, you know, swap out Eli Penny for Gillespie, who, by the way, hasn't played a whole lot of fullback snaps either. You know, so I'm kind of curious about that dynamic as well. Agreed, Patty. That's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting situation. Colin Gillespie is a guy, I think, who's played maybe 20 snaps over two seasons as a fullback, was primarily a special teams guy. So I'm, I'm curious about that competition and that's one that that really isn't going to play out until training camp, but it will be one to uh, to keep an eye on. All right, Patty, I want to take a short break here for a word from our sponsors from SB Nation. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the rookie class and uh, turn some attention to defense as well. All 
All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast talking with Patricia Trina as we look ahead to this week's New York Giants mandatory mini camp. Patty, let's uh, let's spend a minute talking about uh the rookie class just a little bit. You know, Joe Judge, he kind of, he used a a Dave Gettleman word the other day. He talked about pups growing up when he started talking about rookies. And, and it, it made me chuckle because it's such a, a Gettleman kind of a uh, kind of a phrase, but 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 one guy that that we really haven't seen or haven't heard a whole lot about is is Kadarius Tony at this point, the first round pick who's off to kind of a kind of a curious start. It, you know, through rookie minicamp and, and through the OTAs that he really didn't participate in. What are you, what are you hoping to see from, from Tony over the, over the next few days? First off, Ed, I gotta tell you, when, when Joe Judge said that, I just, I don't know why, but I went on YouTube and I just started watching little puppy videos because they just make me, they're so <laughs> oh, that's, adorable. that's such, that's such a patty thing. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. I have a dog and she's, even though she's 17, she's still my puppy. So I just had to do that. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with Kadarius Tony, I, I'd like to think that the issue there was the contract because you know, you look at guys who, you know, God forbid they don't have, have a con- – actually, let me back up a little bit here. Um, all these players, when they come in, the rookies, they sign – I don't know if it's called a waiver or what exactly the, the correct terminology is, but it's an agreement with the club that if, God forbid, they do suffer some kind of season-ending injury, even though they don't have a contract, they will still get paid as though they would would have gotten paid if they had a contract. So that's – that's first thing I want to mention there. That said, you wonder now if, if you're, and I'm going to put myself in the, in the place of, of, uh, Tony's agent. You wonder if they held them out of the OTAs because usually with the rookie deals, it comes down to what percentage of the contract gets guaranteed. That's usually what the holdup is because we know that the money is slotted. You know, it's not like, you know, the team's only offering 20 million over four years and the player wants 25. That's not how it works. It's the guaranteed money. So even though the Giants proved with, you know, Kyle Rudolph, how they didn't screw him after, you know, that, that foot issue popped up, they honored their word to him and, and they didn't alter the contract. Still, if you're the, the agent of Kadarius Tony, you're like, okay, you know what? I know I'm going to get the money that's come that's due to me, but am I going to necessarily going to get the guaranteed money that I want? So I I just wonder, and this is just me spitballing here. I don't know this for a fact, but this is what makes sense to me. I wonder if that's why he wasn't on the field until that contract was signed. And if you remember the timing, the Giants didn't announce that contract as being signed until after Friday's OTA. Now that said. Why wasn't it signed in the morning? Was it because, you know, the kid didn't want to work out? I don't know that to be a fact. I'm just, again, spitballing here. I just found the timing to be interesting. The contract is signed. He's going to presumably be out there, you know. If he's not working out for whatever reason, if he's off on the side, then we know there's something more going on, an injury or, you know, maybe something's going on to where the coaches don't feel comfortable putting him out there. But, I want to see him out there, and I, I would think he's going to be out there, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Absolutely, Patty. I, I, I need to see him out there just to uh, 
just just to feel more comfortable and and just to uh to ease my mind a little bit in terms of uh of what's going on with with the young man i'll tell you the other two players rookie wise that i'm really looking forward to watching are the two young pass rushers aziz ojalari and and ellerson smith and again you you can't you you can't tell everything about players from from a mandatory mini camp but you should be able to see how guys move and we should be able to see some burst off the edge and and we should maybe be able to get a little hint of an idea as to as to how much impact you know th- these two young guys might be able to make are you are you as excited to see these two guys as I am Oh, absolutely. I mean, the pass rush last year surprisingly wasn't that bad. I thought it would be a lot worse than what it was. And they finished in the top 12. I think they were 12th overall in sacks, if I'm not mistaken. And that was without, you know, a blue goose pass rusher. That was with injuries to Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, Kyler Fackrell when he was here. So that was pretty impressive. Now, that said, it can't all be Leonard Williams. I think Leonard Williams, you know, he had a career year last year, his best sack production that he's had in his career. You don't think teams are going to go back and say, okay, let's figure out how we can slow this guy down. So if they figure out how to slow him down, now you need somebody else to step up. And who's that guy going to be? So I absolutely am interested in seeing how some of these young kids uh, fare out. Patty, another position that I'm interested in, and and one thing that people need to realize is they think, you know, they see that it's summertime and and you know training camp is six weeks away and all of that. But one hint that you do get, you know, from a mandatory mini camp like this is is what the Giants are thinking in terms of who they think is it going to to be their guy at a position like we talked about Matt Parrott at right tackle. And one of the the positions that I'm curious about is the inside linebacker spot next to Blake Martinez. And I know, I mean, I think that's a spot where that spot may not get a ton of snaps with all the defensive backs that the Giants have. But you've got Tay Crowder, you've got Reggie Ragland in there, You've got Carter Coughlin, who the Giants are, are are moving inside to that spot. I'm I'm just a little bit curious to see to see who gets the snaps next to next to Blake Martinez. Um, you're, any, you have any thoughts on on that particular competition? Yeah, you know, I actually wrote something about this yesterday. I wonder if maybe you're going to, you know, you mentioned the defensive backs and how the Giants are probably going to go with more of a, a nickel slash big nickel package. You know, one guy who I wondered if, if maybe we start seeing and play that pseudo linebacker role is rookie Aaron Robinson, you know, because you look at what he did in college. Okay, he did a lot of slot work. And you've got Darnay Holmes, who wasn't horrible last year. I mean, I think you can win with Darnay Holmes. So how do you piece all these guys together? But you're absolutely right. You know, you, you don't know who the, the, um, the guy next to Blake Martinez is going to be. And oh, by the way, you better have a backup for Blake Martinez if God forbid he's not available to play. So, um, you know, you, I think you've got Tate Crowder. He's the incumbent. As you mentioned, Carter Coughlin moved back to, uh, to inside linebacker. You're going to see maybe a little bit of Cam Brown. You've got Reggie Raglan. 
you've got all different types of options. And if you're Patrick Graham, and you can tell Patrick Graham just absolutely loves having multiple options. He's kind of like that mad scientist with all those ingredients in front of him. And you can just picture him working in the lab saying, okay, I'm going to put this guy here, this guy here, and this is what we're going to do. And he just comes up with such great and creative um, schemes and, att- and, and ways to attack an offense. And I'm very curious to see what they do with linebacker because, as you said, they're probably going to go more to their strength. And right now their strength on the defense is that defensive backfield, and in particular safety. Absolutely, Patty. We could see guys like, uh, you know, maybe Jabril Peppers, you know, playing in the box, maybe playing that that linebacker role is another name to, to think about there as well. But uh, very, very interesting to uh, to think about, and and I don't know about you, Patty. I'm just glad to uh, uh, I'm just glad to to be able to to watch a few football practices in the middle of the summer, even if it means I am stuck in a New Jersey hotel. Oh. <laughs> oh, that you, you you're you're not going to take a shot at me for that one, Patty? Didn't I just do that? <laughs> Sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of. I guess you, I guess you did. But I am looking forward to, uh, to, to a few days of football and, uh, and hopefully, you know, cross our fingers, no major injuries and, and we learn a few things about the Giants along the way. So, uh, so Patty, anything, uh, anything we didn't touch on, uh, here that, that you're really looking forward to, uh, in this mini camp? Well, other than the fact that our gang is getting back together, you know, like I said, because that, believe it or not, I mean, working at home this past year, while it had its it, its advantages, I personally missed the interaction. And, you know, you you follow along with, with some of the reports that are coming out about what the NFL might eventually allow, you know, as far as access and interviews and stuff like that. And I never thought I'd say this, but I miss the... The, the face-to-face interactions, you know, I did a couple of interviews um, with players over the phone, and I, I had actually hoped to do them on Zoom, but the Giants, they wanted me to do them by a phone. And I, I remember saying to the players, I'm like, you know, this really sucks because I like seeing people in person, and, and likewise, you can see me. And it just makes for a better experience. And they were cool about it. Don't get me wrong. But, but you know, we all kind of agreed that it was like, yeah, you know, that that part of the the human element, you know, because now you're talking to a computer screen, even though the person's image is on there. But in this case, we weren't even doing that. We were talking over the phone and it was just it was weird. Well, when you think about it, Patty, we have never talked face to face with any of the the 2020 draft picks or the 2020 free agent signings. And that at this point in time is just weird. Well, yeah. And, and it also you know, there's something to be said about building, you know, um, relationships. And to me, you can't really build those relationships doing it on a Zoom call. You, To me, it's like, hey, you know, you get in front of the guy and, hey, you know, great game the other day. And you, you just you start off with a small chit chat and then it gradually builds up and they get to know you and, you know, they get to see, oh, wow, you're a human being like I am. And that's how. I've always done things, you know, call me old fashioned, but that's how I've always done things. That's how I've built up relationships with guys to where now I can go and feel comfortable saying, hey, uh, Lorenzo, that what, what happened on that play, man? Did, did, did you screw that play up? You know, I, I don't have. 
find that comfort level with guys because I don't know them, you know, just to, to be like that. Obviously, right. I don't, I don't do that to Lorenzo, by the way. I'm just using <laughs> him as an example because his name just happened to pop into my head. But, you know, just little things like that because remember, at the end of the day, we're all people. We all put our pants on the same way. You know, we all bleed the same way. We all pretty much have the same issues in our life. Just so happens that these guys are on a bigger stage because they're more well known. You know, they make a heck of a lot more money than you and I combined probably 10 times over. But um, we're all people at the end of the day. Yes, we are, Patty. All right, Giants fans, thank you very, very much for listening. We'll try to uh, get you some reports, uh, maybe an extra podcast or two during the mini camp. As always, thank you for listening. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.